Hey, everyone, and welcome back to the Weekly Awakening Podcast. It is your host, Cosmic Colleen. I'm excited to bring you guys this interview episode with Donna Ferris. Now, Donna became a recent Weekly Awakening Podcast listener, and I greatly appreciate it. And she reached out to me one day and said, hey, I have, a, I have an awakening story. I think you might be interested to bring onto your show. And I also wrote a book about it. And let me send you my book. So I get the book and right away I see that we have a lot in common. So it's just really always fun and ironic, the synchronicities that the universe bring people together. She has a story of sobriety, which is a part of my story. She has a story of divorce. She has a story. I mean, she's from, you know, her fan, you are a Pittsburgh fan, right? Your daughters live in Pittsburgh? Huge. Yeah, they both live in Pittsburgh. Yep. Okay. Okay. Yep. And and I'm, and I'm here. I'm still in the state, but you're yeah, still, still in the state. In Eagles country. <laughs> okay. Um, she went to IUP, which is right where I grew up. I mean, your father passed away when you were 21. I'm guessing in the book. I'm trying to. 25. 25. My father passed away at 22. I mean, I was just like so excited. You know, again, the universe lines us up. So I picked up this book. Donna, send me the book. We've got to stop meeting like this, a memoir of misconnections. And I said, okay, let me at first I thought, let me just sort of scan it, go through. And it gripped me from the very beginning right away. You know, from the moment where it all starts that she got that dreaded uh, pink postcard in the mail. And that began your awakening. Can we talk a little bit of a, about the postcard? Because would you say that really sort of was the you know your rock bottom that that one of your rock bottoms that then ascended you into the awakening you are you know who you are today? That's right. I I think yeah. I was definitely coming into that. I thought everything was kind of falling into place in my life. You know, I had a lot of uh, success with my job. I felt you know, we were that couple that looked. Like everybody thinks it's doing really well and really, really happy. My kids were doing well. And then I get this pink postcard in the mail from a florist telling me that um, this, a woman who I did not know was uh, looking, was, was, had gotten flowers from my husband the year before for her birthday. So suddenly I'm like, well, I don't know who this woman is. <laughs> Why is she getting flowers? And I knew the postcards because I we had similar ones from that florist, so I knew it was my husband. So it was really it was a down it was a you know immediate drop into this world that I didn't you know I had no idea that I was even in. And of course, you're the last one to know, I guess, in a lot of ways. So it was really 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 hard. It was really hard. And in the book, you know, you you sort of you know you had your moment. Um, I think that a lot of people experiencing maybe that have gone through that of like despair and just like. F this, right? F everything. <laughs> F everything. Yeah. And yeah, then I, you were able to sort of like not move on, but you're like, okay, I'm going to take charge of my life the best way I can and keep moving forward. At that time, your daughters were 13 and 18. That's right. They're five years apart. And I was luckily going through this yoga teacher training at the same time and, and had started it only like a month before. Wow. And it was giving me, so I was already looking for some awakening because my oldest daughter was going to college and I really was worried about not having her around. She was my buddy. She watched Bravo with me and all these different things that I like to do and, um, you know, hung out on the beach with me. My younger daughter is not as much into those things. She, she's, you know, big into computers and so forth. So it was, it was like, it was a huge thing for me to lose her. And then I had a kind of, I was already kind of there. And then this fell into my lap and I went, oh my goodness, my life is not what I expected. And and I had to make a change. I had to decide to make a change. And and 
in the book, we, we dropped a lot of the divorce angst. Yeah. Know, we kind of cut a lot of it because we do the same thing with later losses too. You, you, you don't, everybody's been through these things. We don't need to spend a ton of time there. I think the reason the book has got impact is because there were so many of these things happened in such a short period of time. So we try not to belabor them. But, you know, there was a really difficult time. Divorce is hard. Um, and, um, you know, it just changes who you are very rapidly. Um, I was actually talking to somebody this morning that just is going through it. Um, and they're in the first two weeks of it. And, you know, I'm seven years away. Oh, wow. So I can look at it and say, you know, I, can, I, have, a, I have a lot of distance from it. But I, I could only say to them, you know, look, the only advice I have to tell you, which I wish I had done differently, was, was you know, level up the, the importance of my kids. You know, I think I, I thought I was doing that during, during the time, but I think I wish I would have done better with that. But otherwise, it's just really hard and you have to just figure out a way to get through it. It's, good. Um, it's very for me, hard. Yoga was a big part of that. So um, before, so one of the things at the beginning of the book was Yoga Rob. That was your, that's your teacher, right? <laughs> I That's love right. Right. when he said to you, you're come to him and you're like, oh, my God, my life is falling apart. I'm getting divorced. This is what's happening. And he said, what are the core beliefs of your marriage? Right. That first question of what. And that really helps you get in touch with um, what you were really upset about. But I loved how he said, what if marriage isn't forever? What if it's just a social construct and you're supposed to be in multiple long term relationships to learn how to love yourself and others. And what a great way to, did that just instantly sort of switch your mindset a little bit, gave you a little bit more of acceptance with what was happening? Yeah, it deflated my whole rage bubble. I had this huge, I mean, I was scary, angry. Um, mm. I mean, I think the, one of the first scenes right after that, I find out about the postcard is I throw my husband's, you know, coffee latte machine down oh, yeah. a garbage chute. I mean, <laughs> I am breaking things. I am drinking bottles of really expensive wine. I mean, I'm just as a mess and, and we're not a good, not a good role model for your kids. I mean, I would, I really re regret a lot of that. And it was really helpful when he just said that. And, and I could say, okay, cause I wasn't really mad or upset about the betrayal. I was yeah. upset about him not living up to the bargain that I was living up to. And I think it's really an important thing to share with people because I think a lot of people get to that point, you know, when they're going through these long relationships, any long relationship, if it's not giving you what you need anymore, um, why are you still there? I mean, and, yeah. and I do, don't get me wrong. I think if you're both in it and you're both growing together, I, I, you know, I'm not saying that you should just walk away from people, but it is important to not stay just because, um, you know, you always have, <laughs> you know, it's like, or, you know, I think that's important to know. I, yeah, I, I absolutely believe that. I have been on a, my parents, my dad was married a bunch of times. I sort of used to follow in his footsteps until I changed a lot. So for me, um, it was a great to hear someone who, who went long-term, but then was able to still turn it over say, Hey, you know, this isn't working anymore. And it sounded like in your book, that was a big thing you were sort of mad about is almost like, wait, maybe I felt like this was over years before this had happened. Right. And it's sort of like now it maybe did it feel a little bit like a wasted time, even though it wasn't a waste of time, but did it feel like no, that in the moment? Absolutely. Yeah. I think that was the thing I was the most mad about, which then I, you know, with, with, uh, distance, I can look back at that and say, well, of course I was betrayed. I wasn't, I was already, I had already left the marriage yeah. in many ways. I, I was already not available. The connection had been broken. And I, and I think that's, 
very informative in general. I mean, I, you know, you want to be in the moment with the person that you're with, even if it's uncomfortable. I mean, there's a lot of awkward moments in relationships and, and that's why we, you know, grab our phones or we, you know, look at other things or watch TV because we can't handle the, the awkwardness, but it's really important to live in the awkwardness with somebody as much as you can stand it, because that is really the relationship. That's you're you're living in the moment with them. Um, but it's hard to do. I mean, I'm not saying that I'm really excellent at that either. <laughs> yeah, it's hard. It's hard to stay in the, work at it. in the uncomfortableness of um, of life, of emotions. Mm-hmm. Has yoga taught mm-hmm. you a lot about how to stay in the present moment, even if you're uncomfortable? Oh, yeah. Sitting with it, and especially being sober, we're going to probably talk more about yeah. that. But I think, you know, I've done, you know, I've only been sober for um, a little over 48, 480 days. So, Amazing. Congratulations. Um, thank you. Thank you. But as you know, you are constantly going through difficult times and you don't have that thing anymore that you would normally have. Yeah. And um, I think that without my yoga training or the, and the yoga, eventually the yoga therapy training, which is a little bit more body mind um, than just the body. Um, I, I think I would have had a lot more trouble. I think I started to get used to the feelings and sh- seeing where they show up in the body and doing the Reiki work that I did too. I could start to feel the energy of things and, um, it made it a lot easier to sit with things because I was learning that it's okay to have the emotions. It's okay to feel them. It's all in what we do with them. I think I was really always afraid because I came from some abuse. I was always mm. afraid that I was going to act out on that in a bad and negative. Have like a really big um, reaction from it. Yeah. Yeah. I was very, I'm, I've, I've spent a lot of my life being afraid of being angry because I didn't mm. want to turn out like my mother who was angry a lot um, and, and hurtful. So that was a thing. I mean, that, and that's is that what I got you I into struggle with it? Do you? Is that what got you into yoga originally? Was the anger? It was more. It was more anxiety, but anxiety is kind of you know it's a fearful thing. Fear and anger kind of you know uh, are good friends. Um, and I, I think that that probably had a lot to do with it. Um, so it, it really the meditation part came earlier because I had to manage the anxiety. Uh, the yoga part came later because I always felt very self-conscious. I had, you know, heard, got a lot of bad messages about my body growing up, and I just never felt comfortable in a yoga um, situation or a dance situation. But, you know, what was great about it is what's great about yoga is you go through that practice, and at the end, you feel so good. You're like, okay, I can go back and do this again. I can put up with the awkwardness and not looking like the rest of the ballerinas in the room. And I can, you know, <laughs> and I can, but at the end, I get this great thing, you know, and I, and it changed my life. That, that feeling changed my life enough that I was willing to overcome the body stuff, which, and yoga has helped me a lot with that. Has that overcome? Because um, I know you talked a, lo- a little bit, you referenced throughout just like the way you would think about your body in your book. And from the time you wrote this book, how has that changed? Are you getting, have you just become way more comfortable with who you are, how you're feeling? Yeah, I think, I think I have, I still, it's still there. I think, you know, body dysmorphia is a thing. I mean, people feel, you know, things about their body. I I think it's less now. I think because a lot of it, I've been doing yoga on Zoom now. So you have to look at yourself the whole time. Yeah. Like when I was teaching in classes, you had mirrors, but like actually having to see yourself on Zoom is is definitely um, altering. Um, but I but I've I used to be a big fitness junkie. I, I mean, I, I think you at least for me, addictions are a lot of you. You can get yourself addicted to anything, and I was addicted oh, yeah. to 
the physical running and spinning and everything, all kinds of jumping. And, um, you know, I, I think all of these things I had to work through. Um, and today I only walk and lift weights because I mess myself up, which happens to a lot of people. So I think I'm better than I was when I first started this journey and to kind of circle back to the actual question, sorry. But, um, but I, I think it's always a lifelong thing. I think, you know, there's moments that you can be triggered and, and I can go right down the binging path or go down the self, you know, oh, my, you know, shoot, my hips are too big today or my butt's too huge or whatever. I think I can always go there um, if, if so pushed, I guess, uh, by myself. So. <laughs> it's always, I mean, everything is a forever journey, right? Self-awareness, self-growth, yeah. what we're here to learn, our struggles, everything is forever. And what one thing I loved about this book, and you listen to my podcast, so you hear me say this a lot, is that we have to learn, and this is such a great example of what you did with this book, how to live in life and accept that it is simultaneously happening both good and bad, right? Amazing things are happening while our heart is breaking. And this book really circles through a lot of your heartbreak and how you're able to still somewhat enjoy life and move on and go through the cycles, even though your heart is breaking for many different reasons. You had a fiance in here that passed away, you know, after your divorce yeah. there. And how was that? Do you think when your drinking got the worst during that time? I think it, it was bad then. I think it got worse in COVID. I think that I think that mm. that's when it it really took off. And I and then in COVID, and I wrote about this actually in a article for the post Pittsburgh Post of that. Ooh. You know it. Um, uh, that really COVID was a huge wake up call for me. The day that we got locked up, you know, not locked up, but we got we all got locked <laughs> in. I felt guess. like that. Yeah, um, you know. It, I did at the grocery store, I was picking up all my wellness stuff, you know, my salad and my, my almond milk and, you know, making sure I had all those wellness things. And then there was like six bottles of Chardonnay at the end of the, <laughs> of the conveyor belt. And I'm like, I can't really unsee that. Like yeah. I was, you know, and no one else in my house at the time drank. So I was the only one drinking and here I was unable to live with, without that. And then, um, I guess it was maybe, you know, a week or so later, I had like five different cartons of wine dropped at my house because I joined all these wine clubs because I was afraid to be without <laughs> wine. So it took me a while after that to actually finally quit. But COVID really um, it gave me a huge wake up call. When was um, your final, you know, realization? So real quick, this book was well, done over three years of your life. And this was definitely when your drinking really picked up during that time. Yeah. And then when it had been maybe a year or so that the book came out when COVID had happened? So I was finishing up the book. Okay. And um, so I had, so in 20, that was 2020, right? When the when COVID started in um, 2021, I was, I had it out to beta readers, you know, to check it out. And this one woman um, read it, didn't know her very well. Um, and she said to me, well, you know, I'm really disappointed in that you didn't really talk more about your drinking problem. And I, I didn't know her and I had never said I had one, but I had written it. Oh, she picked um, up from the book. Yes, she picked it up. And, and I had to kind of, I had to actually admit it to her, which was the first time I ever admitted it. And then I was mad because <laughs> I was like, what is she, she doesn't know me? Um, but she did. And, um, about three days later, I was walking and listening to a podcast by Dan Harris, 10% Happier. 
we had Annie Grace on from This Naked Mind, and she does something called the 30-Day Alcohol Experiment, and I signed up for it March 1st, um, 2021, and have been sober since. Um, so, yeah, wow. the, book, the book got me sober. Wow. Um, for sure. This book and really going, you mean like after you wrote it, after you really were going through and really like reliving those experiences and seeing how you handled it with alcohol and maybe how it wasn't the best? Is that really a catalyst for you with the sober? It was. It was because I think you, you know, and I think it made me realize that a lot of that it wasn't normal what I was doing too. Like, I think that I thought that was normal because that's what people around me did. Yeah. But it wasn't a normal way. And then I think it helped me identify all the numbing I was doing, right? So the, the binge eating, the over-exercising, the, the over-drinking, you know, all of the things. Because, I mean, we can, we can, you know, they're watching way too much Bravo, um, which I still <laughs> sometimes do. Uh, you know, I think all of those things are, you know, in excess, right? If, it, if it's in excess, it's probably not healthy for us. So, yeah, it was really, really helpful to me. And then, and then what I did is after I kind of realized that I needed to cop to this thing, I went back and, and got more, even more honest about my feelings in those scenes. So that's when I made sure that say, Hey, why do I keep drinking? Why do I keep waking up like this? Why can't I realize this isn't working? And, and I think that's something, unless you bottom out, you have those thoughts, but you don't know how to get out. You know, you don't, you don't know how to undo it. Um, how are you waking up? By. Yeah. How are you waking up in the morning when drinking? Terrible. Like I, because with anxiety, because I had anxiety, right. And that doesn't, I still have it. And that doesn't do well with alcohol because it immediately then makes it much, much worse because your body's trying to overcome this, this depressant. And it just, you know, you know, it just sets you off <laughs> on this jolt. And I would wake up in the morning, you know, very upset and anxious. And, you know, I just couldn't undo it. And I still, you still can do that if you eat sugar late. If I eat sugar late at night, I'll have the same reaction. I'll get up, you know, all you know, the same way. So, but alcohol is just, you know, the worst. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, it's poison. And I feel like with, over COVID, what I've noticed in just people, clients, everyone, it's almost like became socially acceptable for a ton of people to start drinking all day long. And I like, I just watched mm -hmm. this huge drinking yeah. massive surge from the beginning of COVID. And statistically, you're absolutely right. Like I have heard, I, th I think it's 60% more people drinking. I can't remember. I don't have the exact stats, I've wow. but I, it, was, it was a huge, and it was big with women, especially my age women. So like middle-aged to uh, older women, it was, it was definitely much higher. And, and then what's interesting, the younger folks are not drinking as much. They're doing other things, you know, they're edibles and so forth. So it's really going to be this older generation um, I think of drinking because everybody's trying to move away from the calories and the sugar and, and alcohol yeah and the alcohol now when you started for this 30-day alcohol-free program where was your intention to quit drinking altogether or was it just like I'm going to detox my body for a month and see how I feel yeah I'm going to see if it's going to work right and what is and what does it feel like and in the yoga background that I had was helpful that way because we had done a lot of work on my yoga therapy training around eating and doing little diaries and seeing how things, how you reacted. So I already knew that I wasn't doing well with gluten. I already knew I wasn't doing well with sugar to a certain extent. So I would cut out every other piece of sugar in my life so I could have my glasses of wine, right? Everybody does that. I think when they're- Yeah, were you a big candy person? Like cakes, candy, all that? I, I was, but then I took them out so that I could 
drink the wine. Um, <laughs> and I try not to bring them back in, but occasionally they do come <laughs> back in. But, um, but yeah, I think you know, that was definitely a, a thing for me, for sure, the sugar, the sugar aspect. Um, and, um, but yeah. Yeah. Did you feel good right away stopping it or were you, did you go through some like headaches, a little bit miserable, you know, things like that, some withdrawal? I was, I was a whiny person <laughs> for the four days. I think the first, it's those, it's those first four days I, for most people, unless they, I think they, they Annie Grace says 10% of people have a true dependency. The rest of us, are, it's a habit. Yeah. And we like the habit. It's not yeah. that I, you know, I didn't like it. Um, but yeah, the first four days was tough. And then I started sleeping. So for, for me, that was huge. I, I, I started sleeping through the night. I wasn't waking up angry and an- anxious. And that was enough to get me to the next week and the next week. Um, and then I just, and they have really good support groups within this infrastructure for the alcohol experiment. They're a bunch of Facebook groups. And some, Did you do some meetings at all, lives. like AA or anything? I don't. They have meetings. Um, that I could attend. So I have here and there attended, but I, I found the face group book group is enough. Um, I don't really have anybody close to me that drinks anymore. So it's, it's, it's not like I'm around it. Yeah. Um, and I, yeah, I mean, I, I will say that I, you know, when I've been through some stressful times recently, I have thought about it, but I, I not, haven't found it worthwhile enough to go back. And I think that's the big thing. I think if you're around enough people in groups, you see that the thing is we all have those days yeah. Um, and we can just make it. To, so I like the idea of the pillow pledge, which is a group that I'm in on Facebook. Is that, What's it called? You know, every day pillow pledge. Nice. And, um, and it's run uh, by a, a couple women um, and they are lovely. Julie Fort is one of them. Um, and we just make it to the pillow. It's just like a pledge every day. I'm going to make it to the pillow sober. And then the next day I'll make it to the pillow sober. And that has, that has been really helpful for me. I love that. To be able to just say that I'm going to do it. You're going to do it. And it sounds like to me too, what you had said before that is you're playing the tape through, right? That's one thing that we have learned. Like you, you, you might have urges, you might have cravings, but then you play that tape through instead of that, just jumping right to the alcohol, jumping right to the escape. You say, Hmm, if I do this, you know, how am I going to feel tomorrow? How am I going to feel, you know, bring a lot of conscious energy into it? That's right. And, and studies show, you know, especially in grief, that if you drink, it just makes it longer. Mm. So, and, and that's the, the title of the book is We've Got to Stop Meeting Like This. And really, the, it was, it's a line in the book that comes up a few times that I said that comes back to bite me. And it wasn't particularly kind. But it really says what I was doing in my life and what I can, we all continue to do, which is push away what's really happening. That's where suffering comes from, right? When we yeah. don't want to accept what's happening. And we got to stop this. i got to yeah. stop meeting you like this life. Life has got to stop this. And it just isn't like that. You have to, you have to accept it as it comes. But that's hard. I, I'm not saying that that is something easy and that I don't struggle with and get angry about. And, but drinking um, or any of these behaviors, will only extend it and make it worse in most cases. Um, yeah. So it, it, it was an important lesson for me to learn. And it stuffs things down in a way when you oh, do that. Totally. And absolutely. And, and, and when you stuff those things down, it comes out someplace else. I mean, it's not, you know, it doesn't, it's energy, as, you know, as breaky people we know. And you can't release the energy um, if you don't release the energy, it'll come out someplace else. Yeah, you know, in our body, in our health. Cut somebody off. Yeah, in our body, in our health, in your hair, right? I mean, yeah. we see it all the time in scalps 
um, it, it's the same. Oh, yeah. When people come to me about with their hair loss, the first thing I go to is stress and anxiety, you know, and sometimes they'll say no, but then they'll be sitting there and really thinking, wow, I didn't even have awareness that I was stressed out or awareness that I'm feeling this way. Because when you're in that anxiety zone, you're in sort of a go mode, right? You're in go, go, go. Your your mind is racing. You're not really even paying attention. So you can feel it, but you're not really paying attention as to why you're feeling that, which yoga brings you right back into why. It does. I mean, one of the biggest things I learned, and I do it in my practices when I teach too, is that how are you feeling? Like that mm. check in with the breath, and then how is how are you breathing today? How are you feeling about the breath? And not judging, right? We're not. I'm not saying that you should judge yourself in any way. It's just a noticing of how you feel, and then at the end of class, I say, "How do you feel now?" And that's that's so that people can gauge the difference when you release that energy and spent some time on yourself and giving you that, giving yourself the self-care. Really, that's the difference. People can't identify what it is, but that's what it is. You've really, you've released energy. Yeah. Um, typically. Do you now, are you officially a yoga therapist? Cause in the book you were starting, that was a three-year training, I think it said, right? Yeah, I am. I am. I mean, I still work during the day. I've used, I, I think I use my, yoga therapy training at work all the time um <laughs> but yeah I, I and I do have some coaching um like you know students but um but yeah I am and I think that's one of the best they say that when you do that training you do it for others but you also do it for yourself it's a it's a big I and mean, I don't think I would have been had a lot of the awakening especially about my mother and about um you know, the, the, the triggers, the things I was continuing to do in my relationships, like Pema Chodron says, we, and she says it much more eloquently than I'm about to, but she says, basically, we don't stop um, learning our, we don't stop getting something to learn until we learn it. Like mm. we keep, people keep coming into your life with certain traits. Keep getting the lesson. You need to learn how to deal with them. <laughs> exactly. I haven't learned my lesson yet. And I kept <laughs> doing that. Like I kept doing that at work. I kept doing that with relationships. I needed to I need to learn my lesson. And, and we, like you said, we always are. But um, but I think it's at least that awareness. Uh, that was a big part of that training was helping me under- identify that I kept doing it. Identify. I keep doing it. Yeah. got to stop it. And well, I want to talk about your mom because you talked about a little. When did your mom pass away? Um, 2017. So in November of 2017. So in the middle of all of this, all of your, your three in years. In the middle of all of this. What yeah, happened to you in that moment years. when your mom passed away? Um, I mean, I think I was very upset and much more upset than I thought I would ever be. Mm. And I love my therapist so much. And I love what she said to me because I really didn't understand it because we weren't that close. Um, and I say this for anybody who has a difficult relationship with their parents, because I know there's sure there's people that are listening. What she said to me was so helpful. And she said that the reason that you're so upset is because that hope that you had for the healthy relationship with your mother just went away. Yeah. And it died with her. And it was incredibly astute of wow. her. And it is probably one of the best things anybody's ever said to me. Because it, it was just like that Yoga Rob you know, comment about um, relationships um, that and it just deflated it very quickly because it made me realize, okay, that's why I'm just so beat up here. It's because I'm never going to have that. I'm never going to have what my brothers and sisters have with her. I'm never going to have um, what I, you know, what I deserved as a, 
a mother relationship. It was it was um, it was just a really astute um, thing that she said, and it and it, defra- it deflated a lot of my um, pain in the moment. Yeah. I mean, it, and and what's interesting about the book is that there's a mystical component that um, my mother doesn't leave me alone uh, in the afterlife. So that's uh, Ta- if you like magical stories, it, it definitely it definitely has that. Tell us some of the ways that she hasn't left you alone. <laughs> some of your favorite ways. Yeah, I mean, I, I I have a psychic that I work with. Um, she's also my Reiki teacher, and my mom shows up at every reading, um, which I appreciate, actually. Now, you know, we've been able to forge a relationship in the afterlife, uh, which we did not have in life. Um, and I think there there's a lot of interesting things about that. I, I think without this journey, I wouldn't have, and what happened with her, um, you know, I wouldn't have probably believed in afterlife, you know, and really in, in, you know, multiple lives the same way, but I, I can't, you know, I'm not, I can't deny it because of what happened to me. What did you and believe? Up, like, Sorry, go ahead. But, and, and, and she shows up like she shows up and Mario shows up in, um, you know, birds and you know, just, you know, songs and, you know how it is. You, you you draw in the spirits into your life in the morning, and there's things that you just can't deny that they make happen. And you're like, how did that happen? Or yes. somebody will call me that I was thinking about that I was asking them about, and they'll show up. You know, it, it is. You've, you, you've actually alluded to it. I can't remember which one you did, but maybe two or three weeks ago, you alluded to somebody coming back into our lives, and it happened to me. I was like, I haven't heard from that person in 40 years. I didn't want to hear from them. But <laughs> <laughs> it's probably Ron Mercury retrograde. <laughs> oh, it was. It was. And I was just like, oh, Lord. Cosmo Colleen was right. <laughs> <laughs> so prior to your mom and Mario, had their passing what did you believe about the afterlife or were you just sort of unsure about anything not sure i always believed in heaven but i didn't believe in multiple lives right i didn't believe our spirits went on additional journeys i thought it was just you know we're done you know you go to heaven and that's it i i think you know i don't certainly know exactly what what happened but because of what's happened with the influences of of people in my past i, I know that they're still with us I have way too much evidence to say that's not the case. Um, so, yeah, that was really reassuring, I think, for me. Um, and being with one of them when they passed was very reassuring for me to see their spirit leave. I don't know if you ever watch any of the Housewives, but Lisa Rinna, again, we, we have to do a, a Housewives reference. Lisa Rinna's uh, mother died in November, and she actually had a medium at her transitioning and I love that idea is that you could, wow. you know, definitely feel the, feel the safety of or the knowledge of that you know, the spirit is passing on. And, and she was told, just it was funny, she was told her mother said that there was going to, she was always going to come see her in birds, which is what's happened to me. And um, she sees birds all the time and, you know, she feels very connected um, in certain types of birds and so forth. So anyway, it's, it's a thing. And, th- and I think it's really reassuring to those of us that lose people and maybe not and think they're not with us. Yeah. Um, in some way. I hope that's reassuring. To, so to reassuring. My father always comes through birds. Yeah. Or big, I love birds, big messenger. However, my dad always comes through in smoke detectors. I'm telling you like <laughs> outrageous times where when I prayed for a sign, prayed for a needing, pray for just that you're there. I mean, loud ass smoke detector goes off like crazy <laughs> amount and then shuts off. You know, he really sometimes he's got to make sure I always said that, like, I see it. I understand. Yeah, can you hear me? Do you ever have dreams? 
I I have not. I had one right after Mario died. My daughter did. She was when she had a test done. Um, she uh, Mario came to see her in in her um, when she was out, and and so we've had that. I've I've had it very rarely with dreams, but it's more like you know, it's more like the the that you said, like the the birds or. Um, music. There's a lot of songs. A lot like of a music. A lot of times, the song. You know, it's it's like this obscure song that they never play on the radio yes. station, but it shows up. It's that kind of a thing. It's like, kind of amazing how so we are energy, song. and it comes through electricity, right? You know, they show our message through what they can through energy. And your daughter, yeah. reading yeah. in the book, has a lot of premonitions, right? She had a pre- she had said yeah. about Mario. She just said, "I I know he's not going to be around." She didn't know why. But and then you said it came to her in her dream. Yeah, and she and and she always knows. Like she's the one that if I'm upset about something, she will call me. Like that's the connection we have. Um, so yeah, it's it's she's she's kind of eerie that way, and has always been that way since she was young. I mean, in the beginning, you kind of deny it because you don't really, you know, that can't be happening. But it, it, it's true. She, she does. Is she following in her mom's footsteps of the path of awareness? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, she, it, and I was just awesome because you can't really tell kids anything, you know, just right. So you can't really tell them anything. So it's great. All you can do, which is what I, my father did too, which is just lead by what you do, you know, model it. Um, and I didn't, you don't, I don't expect her to take the same exact path. Um, but she, she definitely, um, is, is embracing it too, uh, in her own way, right. In her own way. That's great. That's so good. Now, some good things. So you had mentioned you and your now ex-husband, the father of your kids, are friends or have a really great yeah. well, great relationship, a much better. Much better, much better relationship, yes. It is an evolving, it is an evolving relationship. Um, and, and I think we focus, he's a good dad, we focus on the kids. Yes. I think that's the most important thing to us. And I think, you know, to anybody that's going through time, I think that's, the thing to focus on is the kids. Um, Absolutely. People always ask me what my regret is, and it totally is that I didn't do enough of that in the in the in the early days. I think you feel like I think sometimes it's hard. My own experience after getting divorced is sometimes you're, you know, you can't change it, you can't help it, but you have such like a especially you were married for so long. Like, who am I? What am I experiencing? I want to be free. You almost get a new identity, and sometimes that can a little bit take over. That's right. That's exactly right. And I and I think that there's so much emotion that you just can't, you don't have enough room for everybody in the, in the emotion that you're feeling. And I was lucky because I did, you know, I did have a, a, a couple events early on that made me, that popped me right back into reality and, and made me refocus. And Mario was very family focused. So it was easy to kind of, to, to, he was, it was easy to kind of do that with him, you know, and, and we all, you know, became one big seven person family for a while there. Oh my goodness. Um, which was nice, which is really nice. Wow. So now you're married and it's someone in the book. You guys have to get the book, but it was great because at some point this person, your husband was one of the first people you had gone out with after divorce, you know, after separation, divorce, and then it didn't work out with this person. And then he resurfaces yeah. at, uh, at the end. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I wasn't really ready for him. Yeah. I think we had a really excellent and still have a, you know, amazing connection. And, you know, I loved him at the time, but I, I wasn't a very healthy person at the time at all. Just I wasn't was a good mess. time. Probably one of the worst. Yeah. Probably one of the worst 
times of my life right there. Um, I didn't have any tools to deal with it. So I was kind of all over the place, plus drinking, which wasn't great. So, you know, I think I give him a lot of credit for you know, giving me some time. Um, he didn't intend to give me as much time as I took, but um, but I'm really thankful that, that he came and found me again. Um, I, I thank him all the time for that. So I'm feeling very blessed. Uh, and when you guys went for, you know, round two, did you just, you were ready to show up to the relationship? Did you feel like, how did you feel as the first time you met him to the second time you guys gave it a second round? Your change, how did you feel inside? What work did you do on yourself? I, I think I was, so when we first met, I was never comfortable with silence. Mm. I, I was one of those people that had to fill in every silence. I, I couldn't. I couldn't handle my thoughts. I couldn't see how that was affecting everything I was doing either, you know, and, and he's a quieter person. So it was really hard in the beginning to be around somebody that was so careful with their words and which is very similar to how my father was actually. My father was very um, careful with his words. And so coming back around, you know, doing the work with yoga and being comfortable, becoming comfortable with sitting with myself, which we kind of talked about earlier, it's made me more comfortable in that. And in fact, really crave that silence, that ability to be peaceful with my thoughts and uh, with another person. So, yeah, that was that was a big change, I think, in my in my personality. It doesn't mean that I don't have moments where I'm unsettled and, um, you know, uncomfortable and so forth but I'm able to sit with it usually a little bit better um, if I, if I can make myself aware of it, but it's not always the case <laughs> moments where I still lose my, you know, lose my, you know what? Um, but so yeah, you're much so. better with silence now. Do you crave it? Do you find that your soul craves silence sometimes just to recharge? Yeah. And I think like, I don't know if you've ever heard the thing that Brene Brown says about drinking that she drank because she was an introvert and mm. she needed to put on this persona. I think I had that. Too. I mean, I think I grew up as a minister's daughter and I had to always be out in public, but I was never really comfortable with it. And even though I kind of pursued a lot of different uh, avenues of a career that had me out there with people, I was never really completely comfortable. I'm happier. The COVID has been great for me because <laughs> I like being at home. I like, you know, I need a little bit of socialization I, and I, I have to remember that and, and get out, but I really like the quiet um, and being able to now that I'm more comfortable with my thoughts, I'm 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 happier uh, in silence. In silence, less less noise. Less noise. Just so. What is your? Do you have a daily routine or a weekly routine? Something to keep Donna in a good spot. What do you do? That's it's one of the and that's one of my favorite things to talk about, especially around grief because I do a lot of grief workshops yeah. and. Getting it, building that daily routine is really helpful because it makes you feel normal in a really abnormal uh, environment uh, that grief and loss can can give you. So, I get up every day. Um, I make a cup of coffee because that you know there's no you know I gave up everything else. I got I got to have. Coffee. Oh yeah, I'm with you. We so got to have our coffee. Exactly, <laughs> <laughs> especially Wawa. Yeah. Um. So I'll have coffee and then I'll um, listen to a meditation on um, Insight Timer. So that's like a five minute meditation. I read a book usually by Melody Beatty. She's got two different devotional books, daily devotions. They're really short. And then I uh, do, I pull an Oracle card every day. Um, and then I write the Oracle card down. And then if I feel like writing more, you know, as part of whatever I'm working on, I'll, I'll write more, but that's, and then I, and then I usually walk my dog. So that's kind of like the, you know, 
the what time do you get up in the I, morning that i need i get up pretty early like five or six depending on the day i'm pretty early how about you do you get up do you get up pretty early for you you know, I struggle with getting up early. That's something I'm trying to work on. I mean, with even with my kids, we're like, thank God they don't go to school until nine because we like sometimes get up at eight. But I, I'm a, I'm a nighttime person. However, I'm really trying to adjust to the morning, and I'm much better even doing my podcast in the morning. I, I know I need a routine, like you said, every morning to do that. So I'm actually trying to do that over these next couple of weeks, like really get myself into a routine. Yeah, it's a rhythm thing, I think, for people. It depends on how your, you know, how your makeup is. Maybe yeah. it's more of a night thing. I, you know, for me, I think my kids got me there, or you know, but I never was a really late sleeper. I always like to to go to bed earlier and get up earlier. And I think for me, especially when I had the kids, I needed if I wanted to exercise, I had to do it early because by the end of the day, I'm exhausted. I think a lot of things. By the end of the day, I just I'm not really capable of doing anything um, consistently so it has to happen early for me do you what's your yoga practice now are you still doing yoga are you still teaching it or are you only teaching it on zoom in person i teach um i teach twice a week on zoom so wednesday nights and um saturdays at eight and where do you um, teach and i do i i teach online for myself oh just for yourself okay yeah i um yeah, I was working for uh, a, a local uh, studio here, um, Brandywine Yoga, and they didn't make it through the through COVID. Aww. And um, so I kept my students, and I've built a few more over time, and it's it's perfect for me. It's a it's a it's a great thing. They're lovely. Um, it's a wonderful community. If anybody wants to join it, um, but and then we meet. We've been meeting uh, once on a blue moon. So you know, I um, I meet with them uh, at my house. We do yoga in the yard. And um, it's been great. It's been really nice to, to connect. And I think it was good for us to have each other during um, the last few years. It's been, a, it's been kind of a ride. So it was nice to, to, to share. I mean, what's great about yoga is you don't really, you can come together, you can maybe share a little bit in the front and the back, but you get to kind of be together, but um, you don't necessarily have to you know, make a huge commitment to each other in terms of taking on other people's stuff. You can kind of just be together um, and support each other and we've done that and share space really great experience that's amazing shared space exactly sitting together yeah sitting together in in this in this environment knowing that this is one thing that we're going to do every week you know we're going to meet together um no matter what do you have any intentions of letting growing it bigger going back to a spot or just right now you're just happy where it's at i'm happy where i'm at i think Yoga is a tough thing. I think, and I, I wonder if you have the same thing with, with your business. I think the the most expensive thing for yoga, is, if you have a studio, is the space. Yeah. And it's hard to make the money on the space and to turn it enough to make the money on the space. And um, I'm not sure that that's going to change. I, I think that, and, and they don't want, and people don't necessarily, and I can go on and on about this part, people don't necessarily want to spend a lot of money on yoga, even though, um, for the same hour that you might get a massage, you could come out of the yoga class with the same um, glow and yeah. feeling. But we, we have no trouble dropping the $100 on massages, but we won't drop the same or even half of that yeah. for yoga class. So it's really a tough um, business proposition to do it in a studio, I think, anymore, though people are certainly doing it. And I think they're adding other services like spas and workshops. 
so you know, my my view of the business for me anyway is would be to continue to do yoga classes and then do workshops. I really I really enjoy doing workshops. I do writing workshops and resilience workshops and career workshops and and then it's something I can record and then people can can access later uh, along with the writing. So that's that's kind of what I see my business as. Um, but, you but have I get a, it. I think I think there's, it's great to be in person for yoga for sure. Do you have a workshop coming up? I think I saw an email this morning. You have some. What are you doing? Talk about that. Yeah, that's great. Um, so I'm doing one um, at Kripalu uh, Yoga Institute in Stockbridge, Mass, which is the Berserkers. If you don't already know, that. and this is where um, your journey began, right? And ends. And ends. I know, and it's just such an honor to get the chance to. To do to lead a retreat there, so I'm reading. I'm leading um, the, the retreat that I do the most. Uh, I think largely because of the book, but also because of COVID, managing change with grace um, and compassion. So it's really around understanding change. You know, all the things that are that face us in life, and then all the tools that I use and have learned actually from my students on how to manage change. Um, with the, you know the best way we can. We we all get you know we all get derailed by it, but figuring out how to quick, you know, quicker, quicker, more quickly, uh, come back from it. Um, and, and, and in many cases, some of these changes like divorce and, and loss cause us to really relook at our lives yeah. and make changes that we wouldn't have made otherwise. Cause we, nobody makes changes in their lives when it's going great. They only do it after, you know, in response to something pretty hard usually or something dramatic. So, um, and I, you know, I've had a few of those uh, and they keep happening. I'm not saying that it's over just because the book, I could write mm-hmm. another one now. Um, <laughs> but, but, but the tools work. I, you know, I put out my newsletter this morning and, um, you know, I'm having one of the toughest weeks that I've had in a long time. And I, you know, I don't want to talk about the details because they're not mine to tell, but um, the tools work, you know, the, the making sure that you take good care of yourself in terms of eating and sleeping and walking outside so that you can make the next best decision that you need to make. And then the next best decision. I mean, there's a lot of other tools in, in the workshop, but when you're in the midst of something, uh, you know, definitely put that oxygen mask on first. I mean, it, it is really, really important. It's, it's a trite um, oldie, but it's a good one. It's well, while well, you've been going through this difficult week this week, what have been your biggest like core tools that have helped you get through this week? I went outside that I, I was, I, my garden looks amazing. I, <laughs> I that was my thing. I'm going to wear myself out. Very and Virgo. I, and I'm going to, yeah. And I was going to make sure that, um, that I, that I did that. Like that was really important. Sleep is, sleep is my number one thing. I think always, um, eating well, I think I can tell, I can tell when I'm going off the, off the edge when I don't eat, I have to eat regularly or I, uh, my blood sugar will go off. Um, <laughs> And I leaned on, I leaned on all my people. So I have a therapist. My husband is excellent. My daughter is excellent. So it's like, I, I lean, you know, on the people that I can. I don't need a ton of people though. I mean, I, but I do need that core and, and not just people that are just going to tell you, Hey, you're doing great. You need people that are going to question your actions. Yes. Too. Good, good. Counsel. So important. Someone that right? calls you on your bullshit. Yeah. Oh my God. That is my, that is the line I say about, my my husband is that he calls me on my bullshit That's and I good. need that yeah because I'm a bullshitter yeah I mean I know it and we I can know. be delusional in our own head and sometimes we need that like no and then all of a sudden it's a new reflection on yourself that's right that's right and I and I need that I mean I think that that's a big gift 
if you can have somebody in your life that will do that in a way that's graceful yeah. and kind, that's, that's a huge gift. So I think that, that, that was what got me through. And I'm, it's still, a, it's still a progress. I mean, I think, um, I, and I, I, I think that it's a joke, you know, the universe has a, has a universal joke on me about, <laughs> Hey, you you think you have it figured out? Well, let me show you. I'm going to throw another one at you. And, <laughs> and um, I think that's life though. I don't think I'm yeah. unique that way. I just think that's life. It's, it's, it's a series of stuff. Like you said earlier, it's good and bad at the same time. And it's just being okay with it being as it is. Yeah. Um, but again, not, not always, uh, not always possible. And I'm not always graceful at it, but I, I try. You try. And that's all we can do. All right. So last question, how, if someone is dealing with grief right now, what did, what for you and what would you suggest being the, um, the steps in handling it or some of the most important actions to take for you with managing or handling grief? Yeah, I, I I love this um, acronym by Tara Brock, but I think it's not just hers, but but I, she she does it in her book called Rain. So it's recognizing where you are right now, then I'm feeling it. I think a lot of times with grief, we try to muscle through, and 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 then we'll just say, well, you know, we we will ignore it or do something, you know, to to numb it or whatever. But recognizing that you're there. And then accept that it's happening. That's the A of rain. You know, I think that's the big thing. A lot of times we spend a lot of time denying it. This isn't really happening. Mom, you know, mom is not really dying. The dog is not really sick. It's all those things we, we don't accept it. So acceptance is really helpful. Um, in, in, you know, internalizing it or looking uh, or in, integrating it and in, in looking at where it's showing up in your body and then nurturing. Um, you know, I tend to sometimes jump right to nurturing first and then go back on the other one. <laughs> I think that's my, my go-to now. Like I, w- I probably had three bra- baths this week, even though it was relatively hot outside. I uh, love baths. I ate, sa- I, t- I, love I ate salmon. I think for me, omegas are really big. So I ate salmon a couple of times this week. I think just starting to kind of immediately go for the self-care, but a big one is, we won't get out. You can't get out of grief or loss without recognizing and accepting it. I think, and that's, yeah. and those, those are hard. I mean, that's a hard thing, but once you let the thing come through you, like if you breathe in, okay, this is really happening to me. The resistance is what kills us. The, oh my God, the yes. acceptance will save us every time. Every time. And, and again, you listen to my podcast. So I talk a lot about acceptance, radical acceptance. I mean, so much freedom it. comes from just accepting what is happening in front of you. That is it. No matter it's uncomfortable, there's just like this, this, once you really accept it, it's like this button turns on. It doesn't mean it hurts any less, but there's just a little more freedom, a little more something in there when you're just like, you know, again, all, like you said, all that pain comes from trying to, you know, fix, manage, control this outcome that you actually have no control over. That's right. I loved when you're saying, you know, uh, about the retrograde, you know, just let it be, just ride it, you know, like it's going to suck in some ways, but mm-hmm. it's, I mean, that's just so healthy. It really is. It's, and, and it's not easy. I mean, that's not saying that we, I mean, I don't get that every day, but I mean, I, the more that I try to just ride what's happening and kind of laugh at it, it's like the, I always think about the kids on the roller coaster, right? The kids on the roller coaster or the kids in turbulence, if you went on a plane recently, right? The kids are perfectly happy. They think it's like an air, it's like it's a roller coaster that the children on a plane, but I'll be sitting there like this, you know, gripping the, the sides of the chair. And if we can just, we're no different. We're having the same experience, but they're having fun and I'm not. If I could just be more, you know, childlike uh, in some of this, it, it, I would be a lot better off. Yeah. Um, 
So I try to remember that. But we're always learning. Some days we remember it and some days we don't. <laughs> you know, some days it comes easy, some <laughs> days it doesn't. It's just the cycles. It's utter disaster. It's absolutely true. <laughs> absolutely true. Donna, this it's is... awareness. It all comes back to awareness. It's all about awareness. This interview has been amazing. Now tell everyone where they can find you if they want to just get your book, if they want to practice yoga with you, tell everyone your website, all the stuff. Yeah, the the website is minichangeyoga.com, but the easiest way to get me um, is if you if you Google Donna Ferris, F-E-R-R-I-S, like the Bueller one, and yoga, I'll come up. Um, so the book is, I have all the links on how to find the book and my workshops and my yoga classes and just reach out and say hi. You know, like I, I, I have a list of resources that I can send folks to help them on their journey. So uh, love, love to hear from people. It's been one of the, one of the huge benefits of this. And I'm sure you feel the same way about the podcast is the connection that you build with people. Yeah. Oh, I love it. And that's, that's what we're meant to do here is connect. And that's how we get through things. Guys, you have to get this book. Okay. It's called, I'll repeat it again. We've got to stop meeting like this, a memoir of misconnections. And it, you know, I have ADHD. So sometimes you can get me, it can be hard for me to sit down and read. And I'm telling you this book gripped me. I read it in like two days. Two days I was sitting there and I, you know, I was just like, wow. And just listening to your story and just how raw and truthful you are in this book about, you know, probably things you didn't want to write about that made you uncomfortable, your actions. And there you were, you know, because we all have these actions that make us uncomfortable and that we're embarrassed about. And you did it. And you did all of this three years. That was probably one of your most painful three years, you know, in with grace. With in spite of maybe it didn't always feel like grace, but you did it with grace and awareness and and with just showing up every day, even though there was a, a new difficulty. Yeah, I, it was. it's an honor that you read it. Um, and if you don't have time to read it, you can listen to it. It's on Audible and, oh, uh, good. and on Spotify and all the places. Um, so, it's on Spotify too, Audible, Spotify? So yeah, all, all the places. So, but thank you so much. This is, I, I can't tell you how what an honor this is. I, I love listening to you, and uh, I just, it's just thank you. Aww, so thank you. Thank you for reaching out and being amazing. Thank you so much, Donna. Thank you for coming on the show. Thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode. I know this is definitely some um, truth and awareness and hope, you know, that we all needed to hear that Donna brought to this episode. So thank you all for listening. I hope you have a fabulous week and love you. Goodbye. 